Welcome to Strength Roots Podcast, presented by Hyperthrive Athletics, where we dissect the mindsets, stories, habits, and tactics of elite performers. Strength Roots Podcast, the growth starts here. What's up, Strength Roots listeners? This is Joseph Grinstein, one of your hosts. And on today's episode, we've got Derek Teal, who is the owner of Dialed Health in Granite Bay, California. And Dialed Health is an in-person and online fitness resource for mountain bikers and cyclists. And Derek's background and journey into the fitness realm began with a passion for downhill mountain biking. And that passion quickly led him to competing professionally in downhill mountain biking at an extremely high level. And one of Derek's mission statements for Dialed Health is start moving forward and discover your path. And in this episode, we talk about how Derek's ability to start moving forward and commit himself to his pursuits has helped him to discover his path and his current life missions along the way. And this guy has an incredible long-term vision for his business and high aspirations for his business and, and just his life in general. And he backs them with a remarkable work ethic. And there's so much that you guys can take away from his story and his energy is just incredible to be around every single time I have a conversation with this guy. I come out of it charged and motivated and enthusiastic about everything that's going on for me. And I think he's going to do the exact same thing for you guys. I think you guys are going to really love this episode and get a lot out of it. So without further ado, the Strength Roots podcast with Derek Teal. All right, guys, welcome to the Strength Roots podcast. Uh, we don't know exactly what number it is at this point, but we're we're stacking up. We're getting there. We're here with Derek Teal from Dialed Health um, here in Granite Bay, California. We're at his awesome gym. I wish you guys could see it. Uh, we'll post some videos and stuff. But Derek, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. I'm impressed. The fact that you don't know the episode is just a testament to how prepared you guys are. Because <laughs> I do not have any backstock on my podcast at all. So props to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. we got the whole crew here, Aaron, Nolan. Um, and yeah, so Derek also has his own podcast and he's got a great gym, um, Dialed Health here in, in Granite Bay. Um, and you know, I kind of want to take it back a little bit in your story. And so I've got pretty good understanding of, you know, your past, your story, but I really want to give people, um, a better kind of understanding of where you come from. So, um, from my understanding, your professional career was heavily influenced by your athletic and your competitive career. Um, so I kind of want to start there. Cool. And just to give, give people a good background about your athletic career um, and then eventually how that kind of shifted into mm -hmm. where you've taken your professional career now. Um, so can you tell us a little bit how you got started in mountain biking and then where that kind of led you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I got my first mountain bike when I was like 12. My pops bought it for me for my birthday. And I just spent every afternoon with my friends, like digging dirt jumps, riding my mountain bike. I was just really into the free ride or like extreme side of mountain biking. And I'd always been into action sports, but I don't know, riding was the first thing I'd probably stuck with for more than a couple years. You know, I was like skateboarded and wakeboarded and did karate and all those things, but it just really clicked. And so I started downhill racing and downhill racing just kind of opened me up to the whole world of cycling, all these events. And pretty soon I was just doing full race seasons. And actually in my first downhill race season, uh, by this time, I guess I'm 16 years old. I went from a beginner level all the way through the intermediate up to an expert level. And by the time I was 17, I was competitive on the podium and winning these, uh, what they call junior X races. So it was like the expert level mountain bike downhillers under 18 years old. And that's, I was just, I don't know, man, I was honestly total like 
young guy brain is turned off. I didn't think about anything except riding. I didn't care like what my gear looked like. I didn't care how clapped out my bike was. I just went out and rode as fast as I could. And I had a great time and I ate like McDonald's and pop tarts and just sent it, man. And it was awesome. It worked. Yeah. Where did you actually grow up? I grew up here uh, in Roseville. So right outside okay. of Sacramento suburbs. Huh. Are there a lot of like, where, where would you go up to Auburn or like, yeah. Yeah, so I there's all sorts of green belts where you could build and dig jumps illegally, like I did growing up. And then, yeah, once I started downhilling, you know, my dad was shuttling me every weekend or multiple times a week, any chance we got, really, up in Auburn. Mm. Uh, it's just an awesome canyon in the foothills for people who don't know. And you can basically drive up to the top, jump out, ride your bike down a trail. They pick you up at the bottom, and you just keep doing it over and over mm. again. Yeah, so basically I downhill raced – uh, through that next year and then started getting picked up by sponsors. By the time I'm 18, I'm riding for a uh, national level sponsorship through Yeti Cycles. It was just an awesome program and we are with nutritionists and trainers and proper suspension testing and I'm literally going to team camps with world champions and like seeing how that they live and ride and act and uh, it was insane. But it was also my first real exposure into the training side of racing because like I said, I always just turn my brain off and I would, you know, just kind of send it and I was having fun, but I didn't, you know, have someone say, Oh, you should eat like a black bean. You know, you should eat a tomato and uh, you should sleep or I don't know, maybe think about protein or something like that. So that was really interesting. And that team is kind of, that was my first spark. Like I tell my clients this all the time who struggle with their nutrition. Mm. I, my first attempt at being uh, healthy or eating better was putting like a little bit of diced up bell peppers in my mac and cheese. And for, to me, I was like, that's vegetables. I'm doing it, you know, and it's craft mac and cheese. Yeah. And like over the last 10 years, that's like where I started. And, um, yeah, so it was kind of cool. And then really raced kind of through 18, uh, just missed out on the world champ selection for the 18 and under. Um, and then the next month tore my ACL. So it was just like a gnarly back to back hit. And, and then basically had some time off, came back into racing, still had sponsorship, still had speed, but it became kind of the comeback tour after that because now I was kind of interested in other things or I don't know. It's like my brain wasn't like where it was and I would race, I'd do well, I'd have a bad race and I'd like take the rest of the year off. And I kind of did that till I was like 21 and it just got to a point where I'm like, okay, I need to commit to something. I haven't even ridden my bike in a couple months and you know, what have I kind of kept up with what are my interests and I was like oh I've been doing P90X for the last couple of months I guess I'm kind of into health and fitness like mm -hmm. like all like the one thing that stuck with all this racing and training uh, was the training side of it so that was what kind of took me from racing initially into uh, just personal training so do you think if you would have never gotten to the high levels of your competitive career that you would ever gotten to fitness or nutrition or anything would you still be eating mac and cheese every day <laughs> dude i would definitely be eating mac and cheese every day <laughs> um it's hard to say my dad who bought me my mountain bike he also had me doing push-ups and pull-ups when i was like 10 years old and i gotta give him credit to that like i've always been very exposed to it but it was all really about the physical side of things and you know real i guess it's just all bro science, like stay in shape. Uh, he was a CHP SWAT team guy, and um, I give him credit to all that side of it. But there's really no nutrition. There was no real education behind training. I don't know if I would have dove into it. Uh, it's hard to say, man. I, I grew up on all that stuff, but 
there was such an obvious switch when now I had to do it for racing. Um, cause it wasn't my interest, but it was like, oh, I am interested in being a faster biker and this is what I'm supposed to do, I guess. Yeah. Does that, that kind of answer the question? Sure. Yeah. And then, so like that kind of brings us to the point where you're like, okay, maybe this is a passion for me. Right. When yeah. you start to realize that you're doing probably more training than you would have even expected. Right. But when did that transition into something where like, maybe I can kind of use this to like make money, like mm. as a career, like when did it make that switch where you made the, the kind of mindset adjustment there? Yeah. So when I was doing the like P90X, I remember actually thinking like, <laughs> because, you know, at the time of 21, I'm working like two part-time jobs, living at home. And I just, I don't know. It's just that, terrible early 20s feeling. I don't know if you guys have all kind of been there, but like, I, I just honestly remember thinking to myself, like, I don't know how to be, if I could be happy if I'm not a professional bi mountain biker. Cause I didn't, the, the 10 years before, that's all I could think about doing. That's all I wanted. So it was weird to even kind of adjust, like shift my focus. But, uh, like you said, I was training more than I was really riding. And I remember kind of doing this P90X and looking up at Tony Horton, I mean, God bless that guy. Like, what a legend. And I just remember looking at him being like, you know what? Like, this actually looks fun. He's, like, moving. I like to move. He's training people. He's cracking jokes. He's just being himself. And that is what made me just look into getting a training certification. And uh, I'd barely stepped foot in a gym, actually, because I grew up working out in my parents' garage. So I got hired by a local CalFit global gym and got my NASM cert and just committed to being a personal trainer at that point because I was like... I'm obviously not going to be a rider. This looks somewhat fun and I'm just going to, I guess, kind of send it like I used to on my mountain bike a little bit. Yeah. And then there was a point when you moved to Southern California. Right? Yeah. When did that come about? That was six months into my first stint as a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. So to preface it, like I'm basically chasing my girlfriend at the time, my now wife around wherever she was going. So she had moved to LA and went to a makeup school and I just got my training cert I was just, you know, torturing people in the gym, like worst <laughs> workouts. My first client never came back after the first <laughs> session. And I was, you know, I was just like the most naive trainer, but, uh, I never, you know, I'm doing like 40 sessions a month at that point. Right. So it's like, I'm not like being successful as a trainer, really. I'm just totally finding my footwork six months in. I finally am like, dude, I need to go down and, you know, move. I, I want to get out of my parents' house. I know I can make more than minimum wage and probably support myself on training. And it's LA. So it's like the Mecca of, uh, health and fitness really. So basically just decided, uh, just, I, I got one guy from the gym with me. I barely knew. I was like, Hey, come be my roommate. Let's go down. And dude, we literally packed up our cars and drove down and without a job, without an apartment. And we stayed with a friend who had lived like right outside of LA and Northridge which could be an hour and a half away from Santa Monica, which was where we were trying to move. And so we just literally found our job at Equinox, which is like the sickest gym ever. It's been a huge inspiration to me still to this day. And that once we got settled in, we got an apartment that had just like cockroaches and like it was, but it was seven blocks from the beach. It was just one of those situations, like the biggest dive, but it, you step out of the apartment, you feel rich because mm. the place is so beautiful. So uh, we ended up getting somewhat settled, started at that gym down south. I was really just down there to chase my girlfriend around. And then I realized, whoa, this gym is sick. They're teaching me a ton. And we both as, it was crazy, but within six months of now being at this new gym, my roommate went to number one 
uh, in producing in the gym as a trainer, and I was number two. And it was crazy because we just went on this, like, crazy trajectory, and it clicked. And I was finally, like, training again to a point where I even started riding again. And I felt like I felt so settled that I felt comfortable even getting back on my bike. So, I don't know. I felt like I came back into my own a lot down there. Uh, And that was, like, really the whole Equinox experience. What do you – because even more than, like, obviously Equinox helped you on, like, learning how to be a better trainer. Yeah. But what you like, you said kind of something just like clicked as far mm. as selling, right? Because that's a very different aspect of the business that a lot of people like. There's great trainers mm. who are not very good at like selling themselves, or they're not even comfortable in that situation, right? Yeah. So, what was like that switch that got you to number two? Like, what, what mm. happened between you starting at Equinox and then finding that success? Well, honestly, it was probably the first thing I had been successful in besides riding in a way that. I didn't expect it, but also it was like I was supporting myself now. Like it was my first step out, not only being successful in something else, but I'm getting paid. You know, I never got paid as a mountain biker. I got free bikes and like all this stuff, but to be paid for something I was doing well in that other people were struggling to do and to be able to support myself. I'm finally on my own out of my parents' house. I think there was a lot to it that all of a sudden I was like into it, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, as far as what clicked, it was probably just that feeling of success that I hadn't found since quitting riding. And, and quite frankly, I hadn't had it in riding for a long time because I was so back and forth on like the quick ups and downs. So that, that was probably the biggest click. Yeah, and it's almost like it was just the super small successes just snowballed over time. Because yeah. like, you know, it wasn't like your first day in Equinox or even like probably your first couple of months, you like super successful. Mm-hmm. But like once like the, that first little success happened, it got you, you know, excited. Yeah. And then the next thing happened, it was just kind of like a snowball. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, with a lot of things, like somebody might go into a new situation or a new industry or something, they might not be like super sure of it. Um, but like putting themselves in that situation and just having like those little successes happen, then they kind of realize that they have this untapped potential and they want to like tap into it a little bit more over time. Dude. Yeah. I think that explains it well. And as far as the selling goes, because you're right, I mean, you could be the best trainer in the world and have an issue selling or you're uncomfortable with the process. That just was another, I I think the reason I liked sales was because I don't have a college degree. And even though I knew I'd probably never need it for whatever I go down, um, not to say it wouldn't help. Um, I kind of, I have mixed feelings on education, but I knew at that time, I'm like, I'm not going back to college. Like I dropped out of my community college and with sales, you can make as much money as you want. Mm. And it's not that easy. Like you have to work for it and you have to decide what the level of sacrifice you're willing to give. But that was another thing where I was like, whoa, I can make, I was one of the only trainers at that gym that didn't have a, a, a degree in kinesiology or exercise science. And I was making more than these guys like quickly. And I was like, what? It just felt like exciting because I didn't feel trapped by not having that like degree. And then I realized, oh, this is kind of what sales is. And I've kind of kept that mentality until now too. It's, um, you know, me and my wife are both self-employed. So it's even, I was just talking to my dad about this. Like it's hard to budget some months, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're trying to be smart and you're trying to save. And obviously there's ways to do it, but I have this like thing in my head now where I'm like, well, why would I try and save this amount when I could just try and make that much more next month. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's the healthiest thing (laughs) to think, but that's just how my brain works now. Well, and it goes to show that like, you know, there's a lot of people out there that like, do I need this degree to really be successful? Mm. 
And it just goes to show that, yeah, it's going to be tough, but getting through the adversity and like fighting your way through and learning as much as you can, mm-hmm. like as long as you work to your hundred percent potential, yeah, like you're going to get there at some point and you're going to learn. Yeah. And with, I mean, you guys are so involved in college sports and I knew I was like, okay, if I'm going to be go, go be some strength coach at a UCLA or something. Yeah. You have to have the credibility on paper and, um, there are reasons in our industry that you would need it, but I'm fortunate to be in one that, uh, you, you just really don't, yeah. you just really don't. I mean, there's no book that's going to teach you how to train a cyclist the way that I do. Yeah. And that, that kind of perfectly segues into what I was going to talk about next. And so I think it's like when you're involved in elite competition, like you were mm-hmm. with, uh, mountain biking, like adversity is just a natural part of competing, right? Like adversity is just there every time you compete. Do you think that competing at that level affected the way that you handle adversity? And then do you think mm-hmm. that that is like carried over? Cause obviously being an entrepreneur, like adversity is unavoidable. It's yeah. going to just come just like with competition. But do you think that competing at that level, like prepared you in a way to handle the adversity that you do now? Dude, great question. That actually kind of bridges the gap in the timeline too, because I obviously didn't stay in Santa Monica mm-hmm. and I ended up moving back up to Northern California. Why? Because my girlfriend at the time moved back up to Northern California. And so I came back up here and I honestly, at that time, for one, I, I lost all my clientele and I had to start working at this POS gym and I was doing boot camp classes and I was not even really building my personal clientele at that point. I was kind of trying and a borderline. I mean, it's just crazy thinking back, man. This was like four years ago. And I come back up, lose the clientele. I'm in a crummy gym and I just came from the most beautiful place ever, feeling like you're on top of the world. Uh, like you're, when you're a successful trainer in a global gym, you feel like you own the place and you don't own anything. Like, but you feel like you are the man, right? And it was just a crazy, like humbling thing coming back up. But I also, I think because of that, now my, my training wasn't successful and I got this itch to go race again. And at the time there was kind of a new discipline called enduro racing and it'd been going around for a few years, but, uh, just a new style of riding that's gotten really popular. And I was like, you know what? I remember sitting down with my parents. I'm like, I just have unfinished business. I feel like I didn't accomplish what I wanted to in racing. I'm going to give myself two years to focus on racing and make it the top priority. And if I don't, if I don't do, if I don't have a pro contract with a salary by the end of this two years, then I'm done. And that's like more than enough time for me to get there. I'm already riding at a pro level. I could pick it back up. And if it's not going to happen by then, it's just not going to happen. So basically I come back up here, I start racing again and I'm actually doing well and I'm, I'm, getting consistent and I'm conquering a lot of those demons I had with racing that kind of what made me go up and down for so many years, but the years started creeping up and, uh, there was a lot of ups and downs and breaking bikes and not having money and equipment and, you know, racking up credit card debt to go race. And then, uh, the, my clientele just barely, you know, scraping by and I'm getting cut from the boot camp classes. There was just so much crap going on. And that second year was creeping up and I realized, I was like, whoa, like this is, I'm really not going to do this. And I felt like I conquered what I needed to. And I actually got married at the end of that two years in November, uh, finally to that girl I was chasing around. <laughs> and I literally remember staying, like standing up in front of the, uh, the altar on my wedding day. This is the corniest sounding thing, but it was at the end of that two years. 
And I just remember telling myself, like, dude, you are done. Like, being a kid, you're done effing around. Like, you have to be serious about this. And it's crazy, but really from that day forward, I took all that energy that I put into racing. So this is back to your question. And I started putting that into work. And I truly prioritized work over racing for the first time. And it was crazy, but that energy that I spent prepping for races, the stress at races, the uncertainty, the uh, risk, and all of that that's involved is the same stuff you feel running a business. And when I stopped racing, it was so clear to me that that energy was still in me, and now it was coming out through my work. And so it's funny now, because even the last year, I had a baby, I still raced a little bit, but I do have people frequently ask me like, oh, why aren't you racing, and like this and that. And it's cool, like they want me to be out there. I am racing more this year, but really, I, it was so fresh. I was like, you guys, I, I don't have the energy to build the business and a race also. Uh, and I've also done thousands of mountain bike races, so get the heck out of here with your whatever one year of experience. So um, yeah, all that energy, it was so clear like how it just came through in my work, man. That, like, I still think about that, and it does prevent me from doing as much riding as I'd probably want to because the truth is that even though riding now kind of it supports my business I can't get too carried away because it's not going to really run the business you know yeah. yeah and then just from like our conversations and getting to know you a little bit better and I think I've found this through my own career and I see it in a lot of people in the fitness industry it's like fitness is a passion and we're passionate about teaching it, but it's also a vehicle to like create such a different impact in people's lives. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I can see that in you that you're passionate about fitness, but it's not just about getting people to lose weight. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it goes so much deeper than that. So what do you feel like is the impact that you're called to create? And then how do you think fitness is the vehicle for you to create that impact? Oof, that's a big question. Um, thanks for even recognizing that. I, I do feel that way. It, we're really fortunate, I think, to have such a simple act uh, to be experts in that can really like be the spark to change people's entire lives, like for sure. Uh, what consistent exercise, what some diet regulation does for people, it is a snowball effect. I, I've never had a client get results in the gym and not have other things go better in their own life too. Yeah, um, and it's like vice versa, you know, like I've watched people on these downward spirals. That's just, <laughs> you do everything you can to help them, but it's crazy how connected everything is. So I think we're really fortunate in that. And I think for me, I'm realizing that this thing that I've stumbled upon as far as strength training and the niche I'm in, which is strength training for cyclists, you know, it does what I want. I, I wanted to initially with general strength and conditioning, which is get people feeling better. Uh, but now it's like get people feeling better in their entire life and their rides go better. And now like the snowball effect really begins because also what get people get from a good bike ride is, you know, it's, uh, in my experience, uh, even greater than I, the joy I can find in like a gym. Mm -hmm. But when you have a good gym session that supports these rides, everything gets better and it's, it's totally necessary. So it, now, like I see it as an opportunity to improve people's lives through the strength and conditioning, uh, just the health and just overall fitness, uh, coaching that helps their riding that in turn, they go home happier to their family. 
that maybe they make a better meal choice, they wake up feeling better the next day, and the snowball begins. So that's, I think, the biggest purpose. And also, I will say, just clarity on what the heck to do. Yeah. I'm in a field right now that is very, it's very taboo to, uh, there's, I was going to say taboo and dogma in the same sentence, but I'm getting pretty crazy over here. Um, it, there's just a lot of negativity around strength training uh, in regards to cycling because not that many people are coaching it correctly. Mm -hmm. And so no one's really nailed this in the way that I intend to nail it. And yeah. so honestly, besides the fact that it just brings clear joy to people through the results, there's not a lot of clarity on, on how to navigate this. You know, if you're someone that rides their bike four days a week, but they're getting back pain and they uh, just want to, you know, like actually get better because they plateaued on all the riding, there's just not a lot of programs that allow you to do that. Yeah. Um, it, there's a lot, not a lot of people who are mixing the two worlds. And so now it's like providing the clarity feels like a huge mission, but you know, it, um, it, it all of this in, in, like just personally feels like it's bridging the gap between like whatever is in the future for me. Like, I know I'm not going to be doing this in 20 years probably. Um, so I'm like, what is going to come from this for me that is pushes me into something greater, um, in the future? I don't know what that's going to be. I have some ideas. We've kind of talked about it, Joe, a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think for now, does that kind of answer the question yeah. there? Yeah. So for people, let's say they're trying to be trailblazers, like going, it doesn't have to be in the fitness industry. Let's say any industry, they're an entrepreneur or let's say maybe they're in the medical field or something like that. And they, they're doing something that really hasn't been done yet. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of it takes educating, you know, people in the right way. But as far as like stepping into something new or trying to create your own niche or niche or however you say it, yeah. <laughs> what um, do you have any like tangible things that you can give people mm -hmm. that you've tried to do or that you're trying to implement that might help get that point across or create a clear vision for people to kind of understand? As far as the, the entrepreneur who's trying to create the niche? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or like bridge the gap between two things that haven't really been done yet together. Yeah. So I think I'm... Uh, there's a funny saying it's like something about you don't want to be the martyr. Like sometimes the first person to do it really is they like lay the groundwork for someone to kind of look over their shoulder and be like, Oh, like they're, they're doing it and there's something there, but there's a big flaw and I can fix that. You almost like want to be that second person, I think. <laughs> and I'm definitely not the first person to go this Avenue. So it's been cool to come into it and have some ideas on direction. Oh, I like what this guy does. Oh, I like what this guy does, but maybe this person doesn't do uh, another side of it so well. So there was a little bit of direction there. Um, but I know personally, it's just difficult to make the decision to commit to a niche like that because you know, you want to have your product available to more people and you niche it down and now it's just not available to most people. Yeah. So I remember like having multiple conversations with people that just said, Oh, I don't know if you should like cut down because you know, there's not as many writers and this and that. And it was scary to do, but I have the same people now telling me like how smart I was to focus in on it <laughs> because it's working, but there was some dead, dead time for sure. It's kind of a scary thing to do, but I think that if you believe, if you, I, honestly, if you personally need it and you could think of like five other people that need the same thing, then it's probably a good idea that something's there. Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess you have to come into that with a pretty clear head. Like yeah. I've been around so many riders and I'd been already a trainer for, you know, 
two or three years at this point with all of that previous experience, mountain biking, and then with the professional coaching. So it was really clear for me to see, oh, this is a real thing that not only do I need it, but other people do too. And I will say part of the niche came about because I was personally struggling so much with my own workout program because I started riding a lot more and I was doing that training. But, you know, when I go for a four or five hour mountain bike ride, and the next day I'm doing like a five by five squat routine. And then like the day after I'm trying to ride again, it's like your legs like can't do it. Like you just, and it was so frustrating because I'd make progress in the gym for two months and then my biking would get worse and then vice versa. And I couldn't find the balance. And that was a big thing for me too. I'm like, dude, I'm someone with all this experience, with all this training knowledge, and I'm still struggling to figure it out. So if I'm struggling, like how much more are other people struggling with the same thing? And it, dude, it turns out a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people have the same, not only is, is there struggle due to lack of clarity and program options and all that, but you get caught up in the excitement of strength training, which is cool, but it's ne- it can be a negative thing for yeah. people who like, let me just give you an example. I, I know I kind of took a left turn here, but you are a bike rider. You've never really done consistent gym work. Okay. Now you learn a good hip hinge and you start deadlifting. And then all of a sudden you have one gym day that just has a good deadlift session. Like we all know what that feels like. You have a great deadlift session. You feel awesome. And then that night you're on YouTube watching deadlift videos. And then pretty soon you're like the next day, you're like, Oh dude, you know what? I know I'm not supposed to deadlift till next week, but I'm doing it again. This sounds good. I'm gonna go heavier. And then it's like this quick little snowball. And then two weeks later, the same person you know, goes on that mountain bike ride that they do you know, a few times a month and they just are wrecked and they can't even, it, it, everything just went backwards on their riding. And then they're all of a sudden they're like, Nope, can't do it. Can't do any weights. I need to get riding better. And that's like a cycle. A lot of people go through no pun intended. Um, <laughs> like they literally will just get so excited because lifting feels good in the gym. And it's a lot of the same. Yeah. That feeling you get from riding, but then you go ride and it's conflicting. So yeah, a lot of on and off switches with people getting too excited about one thing, going too far on it, and uh, just repeating that cycle. Yeah. yeah, I loved like the story of that because mm. I, I'm really intrigued with like people's purpose in life, mm. and I know that that it's not like fast. Like it doesn't come just like overnight, and you can't just like force it and like oh this is my purpose. Right. But the way you moved through the stages, where mm. it was like you were a bike rider. And then you found to love riding or found to love the gym. Mm. And then you kind of separated those two. Yeah. Right. And then you came back to the two (laughs) and then you almost found your purpose by like meshing them and finding this little niche, niche, however, however you want to say it. (laughs) Yeah. But now you're like, now you found your purpose and you're giving that like passion to other Mm. people and you're able to work more efficiently because you have found that that purpose and what you're supposed to do. And it's funny how there were the stages, how you would like go back mm. and forth, back and forth. And then you learned, why am I going back and forth when I can just yeah merge the two? Dude, thanks. That like puts a smile on my face, just you saying it that way. Because it's so cool, the cycle of my life right now. And I, you know, I am in the gym and the work is still number one, like the, the business. But when I go and ride now, it's not like I'm totally just cutting out on life anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, my riding, it supports the business. So even though for me, it is good to clear my head and I do it because I love it. 
you know, one or two Instagram stories and all of a sudden it's adding value to the business. Mm -hmm. So it's like this crazy cycle now to where anything I do in the gym adds value to the business. Anything I do on the bike adds value to business. And uh, that's the coolest thing. And, and sometimes it's weird. Like I've noticed myself consuming like random content, like, uh, I don't know, like sneaker shopping on YouTube or something that I would never watch before. But because my life 24 seven now is fitness riding, fitness riding, fitness riding. When I do really want to unwind or something, I end up like, you know, I don't know, watching the Justin Bieber YouTube video or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I don't know. I have, <laughs> Just random. I've yeah. actually found that too recently. Yeah. Like, well, I think it's like, for two years, people would ask me, like, what do you do outside the gym? Oh, yeah. And I wouldn't have an answer for them. Like, has that happened to you? Like, well, you have mountain bike riding, but. Yeah. And I'd be like, uh, and just blank. Like, like I didn't everything you else. do revolves around, you're like, oh, well, when I'm not in the gym, I listen to a strength podcast. Yeah. And I'm not in a strength podcast, then, I'm at Whole Foods. I was like, <laughs> this, is, this is kind of an issue. Like, I got to mm. solve this a little bit. And so, like, recently, I just started uh, a month ago. Like, every week I do boxing training, like, one-on-one -on -one boxing with one of my buddies. Nice. And then I've been going, like, um rock climbing like bouldering every weekend and i feel like like it doesn't take away from what i'm doing in the gym but it's so nice to have other avenues mm -hmm. and it's like when you are so focused on other things it almost allows you to like mm -hmm. break off and have those other passions without it taking away from like the first initial passion yeah you know what i mean dude totally so another thing that like i want to touch on just because it's something that i respect so much about you is like from the second i met you like it really felt like and you know you worked on this for a long time before that because we've only known each other for probably a year now but like your vision was so clear about what you wanted your business to do and what you wanted it to do for your life and for your family right so for anyone that's like starting a business or an entrepreneur wherever they're at in their life what advice would you give to gaining that clarity so they mm. have a better idea of like really how their actions are going to affect the long term and where they want to go Oh yeah. So I think the, there's a couple things, um, and it's going to be repetitive for you cause we've talked about it in the past, but you have to fundamentally and really understand and believe that you can change. I'll just say that out in the open. So many times people lay that label themselves. Oh, well I'm this kind of person. Oh, well I'm not a morning person. I do things this way. I'm this and that. When you do label yourself, you are subconscious, subconsciously making that, you know, attribute stronger and more powerful, and you're letting it limit who you can become. Because it's, for most of us, it's it's really anyone. You know, we're all sitting here in sunny California, with like our nice like Lulu on, and and, and the thing is, most people around here are also, and we're comfortable, and we have lives that we have options. But I think these options can be overwhelming. So people create these boundaries. So understanding that you can just fully change your interests, your hobbies, who you are, how you act, how you treat people, what time you wake up, what you eat, your cravings, all those things can, can change. That was huge for me. Like, especially when I realized I can be happier, like I'm happier now doing what I'm doing than I would have been as a pro mountain biker, 100%. And the direction it's going, like, I'm so excited. Uh, but for a while I, I really believed I just couldn't be happy without that. So believe that you can change and also the personal mission statement. I think this is really important for your values and it's okay to change it over time. We've talked about it. Uh, I got this from, um, the seven, wait, the seven habits of highly successful mm -hmm. people. Is that highly effective no, 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 people? No, no, it's from uh, think and grow rich. Okay. 
It's been <laughs> this is how long <laughs> I've been doing it. I forgot what book it's from. Isn't it Think and Grow Rich? Napoleon. Um, are you talking about uh, no, I think, personal mission statement? Yeah. You're talking about uh, yeah, that's Tony Robbins, the seven, no, seven have, from Kevion's start event, right? The seven equities. Seven no, I'm not equities. talking about that. Okay. I think it's from Think and Grow Rich. Okay. And basically, well, it should be a testament to how long I've been doing this personal <laughs> mission statement. It's so, in a book. It's in a book. <laughs> I read it in a book. <laughs> um, so it really, it's about having just clarity on... Not even, it is about your goals, but I think the trouble is it's like, well, you know, if I don't know what I want to do, how do I even have set up a, a mission statement? Um, so, so I'll even, I'll just say my mission statement real quick. So, um, I'm a Christian husband, father, son, brother, and friend. I motivate people to become the best versions of themselves through improvements in exercise and overall health. I'm working to grow my business network and income, uh, for the to support my family and to fulfill God's purpose in me. I'm a mountain biker who understands that cycling keeps me rooted and happy. Beyond those things, I'm not distracted. I'm focused on the uh uh excuse me, I'm I'm focused on the journey and wait no no hold on. I am oh I'm I'm focused on the destination and enjoying the journey. You guys put me on the spot. I almost lost it there. <laughs> I was good. So really, it just it covers who am I fundamentally. So you could go to the very core of it of just being like, oh, I am a son. You know, like that. I'm a son. Uh, maybe you have a higher belief. Maybe there's something that you just interest. Like for me, knowing that I'm a mountain biker and cycling keeps me rooted and happy. That keeps me from not going too far away from why I even started all this in the first place. Because to make time for a mountain bike ride is like something that um, it just it makes me feel like me again. No matter, like no matter how crazy stressed out I am, I go for a mountain bike ride. And most of the time it's like, Oh, like I'm back to like Derek, you know? Mm -hmm. So finding out like on a very fundamental level, like what you're here to do, like I am here to improve people's lives through exercise. You know, I couldn't have said that 10 years ago, but I could have had half that statement written already. So I'm almost, I'm going to say think and grow rich. Uh, by Napoleon Hill, but he can kind of break this down. And it's really about just drilling these reminders into your subconscious so that you, it's your new default mode. Mm -hmm. So that when you are just mindlessly thinking, you are not in your head like, oh man, I can't wait till I'm done with work today. And I can't wait till I can just relax. And I, I just, I haven't been home all day. I just want to go home and unwind. And like those thoughts start to change to like, man, like I'm so stoked. I have a booked clientele or I am so busy today. And you know, I get to go and pick up my healthy son mm -hmm. who, you know, I am lucky to be able to spend time with, you know, I'm not looking at, I've been at the gym since 5am and I'm not going to have any time to myself today, period. Unless I stay up after 9pm and I'm going to fall asleep before that. <laughs> Maybe. So I don't know. It's just a perspective check. I think a huge thing to recognize in what you just said about your mission statement and that type of thing. Mm. You said that 10 years ago, you wouldn't have been able to say that the training aspect in your mission statement, right? Right. So, like, the development of that mission statement, right. how long do you think it took to develop that? Because a lot of people, like, if they listen to this right now and they're like, what is my mission statement? You yeah. know, and that can kind of get daunting and like, oh, right. I don't know my mission statement. Right. But it doesn't have to be right now. It evolves as you grow, right? So, yeah. like, give an example. Like, how long do you think it took you to get to that point? So... It's funny. First off, I have a podcast episode breaking this all down mm. so I could actually say it clearly. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can really understand why each line is where it is, because I also have one for business. 
and really at the time I had, I've, I've been into a lot of self-development stuff in the last few years because, uh, just a support system, man, mm-hmm. honestly, like you feel like you're on your own a lot of times and you know, it's crazy how a 20 minute drive of like an encouraging or, uh, a message from another entrepreneur that's relatable can just empower you to like, okay, like this bad thing happened five seconds ago when this person texted me, but I just heard it happen to this guy too. And he's successful now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it basically, I started taking in a lot of that type of just content and filling my head with it, uh, daily. And it, it was really, I mean, only two years ago where I put that mission statement into practice. And so I would say if you don't feel like you can put one together clearly, I would just start consuming as much encouraging content as you could that is somewhat relatable. So if you're an entrepreneur, I mean, it's kind of endless. The short story long podcast was the thing that really like set me on the path of just like understanding like I can develop like how I think and um you know, like my journey right now that I'm on, I'm in the beginning, like absolute worst stage of it, but it's not different than like all these people being interviewed on this. And like, just those reminders were enough. So I would say if you really, really don't have clarity, just consume as much content that is going to get your mind thinking differently. What, what first got you to the point of starting to consume that stuff? Mm -hmm. Like, was it, you wanted to be a better business owner? Like you wanted to grow your business were you already kind of doing some of this stuff when you were, you know, being a competitive athlete? Because I feel like a lot of people never even get to that point where they right. were like, hey, I, I should probably try to read a book or let me like listen to this podcast or anything that has to do with self-development or motivational. Um, like a lot of people never get to that point. So what was that point where you're like, I should listen to something or read something or yeah, get started. Okay, this is super cool too because this ties a lot in and I almost forgot about it. It was like right as you started saying it, I was like, oh, that was it. Uh, do you guys ever listen to Barbell Shrugged? Mm-hmm. You guys know Barbell Shrugged? Yep. Heard it. Shrugged Collective is their thing now. So when I became a trainer and let's see, when I became a trainer, I wasn't even into fitness, like straight up. I just wanted to be a better bike rider. So you become a trainer and you just naturally, you're around it more and you start seeing different things. And about the time uh, CrossFit was getting huge and I found out Rich Froning is like a total beast and he was killing everybody at it at the time. And I literally just looked up, I just, I found out who Rich Froning was through being a trainer. I found an interview on Barbell Shrugged and that was like one of the first big interviews he did. And then Barbell Shrugged at the time were guys who also helped other CrossFit boxes improve their business. And I swear that was like the first real business thing that I, it didn't even intentionally consume, but I realized, oh wow, like these guys are giving some good advice about uh, getting leads or uh, some marketing or just how to approach your overall business and all that it entails. Like I just, I had never even thought of it that way besides what maybe the manager at the gym had told me or something. So to go from that like employee mindset to the business owner mindset, I credit it to stumbling upon it through fitness. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I got to shout out my mom. She runs her own business as an interior designer. And I, I've watched that and I, I've never seen it as something I personally wanted to do. Uh, but looking back, I think she was laying a lot of groundwork for me. Um, and I worked for a little bit, saw the hustle, saw that it's all about, it's not knowing all the answers. It's just doing it and figuring it out along the way. Like she is the queen of that. So that, that helped me a lot, but it never connected the dots until I was searching fitness and these fitness guys were talking about business. 
Yeah. Did you, because obviously you wanted to, the, the end result goal was, was biking. Yeah. Right. But, you know, that's, I'm sure you can't bike into your, you know, 40s or 50s, whatever it is. But did you see yourself? Sorry, Joe. I'm trying to steal a sip of water from your brother. No, no. Do you worries. have coronavirus? Is that what you're trying to tell me right now? <laughs> it's rain. Oh, it's rain. <laughs> that's all. Ca- that's straight okay, perfect. I'm taking it. <laughs> but did you see yourself as an entrepreneur before? That would have been a shock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wow. That's like green apple or something crazy. Okay. Sorry, Joe. No worries. It's all, I'll start over. So, um, you know, like obviously biking was the end goal, right? Yeah. But did you see yourself as an entrepreneur? Like, did you see yourself going down that path? Were you always somebody that was interested in owning your own business? No. No, not really. You know, the thing is, because I, I, I do think about this a lot, uh, that podcast short story long I mentioned, he always asked like the question, are entrepreneurs born or made? Mm-hmm. And I think honestly, I, I never saw myself as an entrepreneur because I was never, ever business focused. I was so focused on writing. And before that, I had other habits where, you know, I could get freakishly disciplined about building a bike jump where I'm like, I'm going to do a hundred more shovel loads before I stop. And, or I'd be like really freakishly disciplined at karate or, uh, and then basically, so like I knew I had the discipline in me, which is obviously important. Um, but I also had a lot of creativity and I had this ability to just do my own thing. And I say it that way. Cause that's like how I felt like I just want to do my own thing, you know? So whether it was like, you know, wearing, like crazy clothes to high school or making my own shirts or, you know, one of the biggest ones was, uh, I didn't drink till I was 21 and it was really cause I was so focused on biking. Like I just saw how, like when my friends started drinking and doing drugs, like they just stopped riding. And so I like never started <laughs> like seriously, that's why. And then because I was so focused on riding up until I was about 21, I got to the point where I, I ended up waiting to drinking. But all my friends partied. I've been to more parties. I've passed more joints and bongs past me than any <laughs> sober person in their entire life. Well, I drink alcohol now, but like, <laughs> it's just, it's, it was crazy. Like the ability I had to just be like, no, I'm good. And, uh, it, it, looking back on it, like the pressure and stuff I had and like how immersed I was in that like party culture in high school and stuff. And that I was just like, no, I'm good. Like, I don't want to. Cause like I have a reason and I'm confident enough in myself to say no to it. So, so no, I was never business focused or business minded, but I always had this ability to just do my own thing. And I really, really didn't care like what other people thought. Yeah. Um, and then I also knew that I had that weird discipline that would pop up every now and then. Yeah. I think that's, that was one thing or one thing that I at least want to express when I'm talking to like young people or whatever it is, mm. is like, and it kind of goes back to your thing of knowing that change is a possibility. Like, I don't think I had, like, that entrepreneurial just, like, ingrained in me. You know, like, mm. that entrepreneurial spirit. Like, yeah. obviously, hard worker, dedicated to everything I did when I was young. But, like, if it weren't for Aaron having the entrepreneurial spirit that he has, mm. I probably would have been more comfortable being an employee. But it's like, and I think it is kind of a thing today where it's like, oh, like, that dude was born to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Right? And I like you don't have to be right. Like you don't yeah. have to be the kid that's like slanging shoes on the internet Dude. when he's twelve. 
Like you hear yeah, those stories. You hear story. I mean, but that's not the common. Like those are outliers. Yeah. I, I heard that a ton about these entrepreneurs getting interviewed and they're like, oh, when I was six years old, I would pick tomatoes from my yard and sell them to my neighbors. And I'm like, what? Like I never, ever considered that. I think part of the reason is that I was just a spoiled kid. Like I never really uh, wanted anything that I was not able to get. And it feels weird to even say it like that, but it's the truth. And I never had to have, I never really needed to make money. Um, I mean, my parents were so supportive of my racing. They were even like, you don't have to get a job. And I did choose to get a job though, which is kind of weird when I was like 16. But I, um, yeah, I just, uh, I never needed money. So I never had that like lemonade stand, you know? Yeah. Uh, but like I did in like just go do my own thing in another way, but it never ever crossed my mind to like use it to make money. Mm. Yeah. So it's interesting. I feel the same that you do. Like, no, I, I wasn't that kid. Yeah. And then, so we've kind of, you've talked about it a little bit, but so last year included some major changes in your life and for your family. Yeah. And so your son, Otto Rocket Teal was born. Yep. Um, and I remember it was like, it must've been days after he was born and you posted a video and you said something like along the lines of all of the worries about other people's opinions that I used to consider. Yeah. Um, they're just all gone. Like all I care about now is my family. And I thought that was such a good thought and it was mm. like such a it really seemed like it popped in your head and you immediately just like fully believed it. Yeah. And so, um, like I want you to kind of touch on that mindset shift, like what happened there and then maybe any other changes that have happened, um, since, you know, having your first child. Yeah. That's crazy. You remember that, man. That's so cool. Uh, I, <laughs> he's putting the rain back in front of me. <laughs> Can I, am I getting parched? <laughs> Get a little sticky. Nope. <laughs> um, so when, when my son was born, I just realized how, like, you just realized the real reliance that they have on you mm. and that, you know, when you're in the delivery room and doing the whole process, it's not like I didn't have family kind of around, but, you know, you have a screaming baby who needs his mom. You have, you're the mom that needs me. And then there's me and I have to be the, I have to be the one to like yeah. figure it all out. And no matter how I feel, like they need to feel supported by me, even if there's no one behind me. And so, and obviously my faith helps this a lot, you know, cause I always, I know I have God there, but, but that was a real realization where I'm like, I have to do everything I can to make sure that my wife and my son have the best life they can have. And it's a funny balance as an entrepreneur. Cause you can like, I, the whole workaholism, like that's real. And it's, it feels good to work, dude. We all know the feeling. Like, it feels great to end a week, and you're like, I crushed it. Um, but maybe you didn't see your family. Barely. Yeah. So it's a weird balance because you want to work as hard as you can, but that isn't all that entails to being, like, the best father and, and husband and all those things. And so I'm still trying to find that balance, but I just clearly, you know, at the time, I, I was fresh. You no, know, I was still, like, a year off of really committing to the business, uh, and I was still feeling a lot of FOMO, I guess, up until that point where, you know, I'm used to being traveling 13 weekends out of the summer to these awesome riding locations and with my friends and this and that, and they're still doing it and I'm not. And not only am I not doing it, I'm like in the trenches of the start of the business, you know, and I'm taking out a loan for my studio and it's like, it's scary, you know, and you just, you feel like all of a sudden like that FOMO come in, but it was like when my son was born, in my head, like any, 
even if it's just talk that wasn't real and it was all in my own head of people being like, why, why aren't you writing as much? I did get that. Why aren't you writing? Why aren't you here? Why aren't you there? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? In my head, I was like, literally, if you guys can't see that I'm, I'm literally doing everything I can to make sure my family is taken care of, get out of my life. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care what your opinion is. And like, it makes me even want to double down on it more. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, even close friends, and I hate to say it, but like, I have a lot of friends who it's like, oh, well, you know, like you gotta be like down with the homies kind of a thing. Like, where are you at? Like, you have, where you been? You been this and that. I'm like, dude, if you're not like a good enough friend of me to see, I've just been handling my business and taking care of my family. It's nothing personal. We all have our families. I would hope that you would push me to the side to take care of your family. And that was just like another thing. It sounds, it almost sounds harsh. Like I, you know, I want to be a good friend to people, but I just really realized that even a friends, like it's. Like there, I have to push everything aside yeah. uh, and nothing is going to like come between me and like taking care of the family. Well, that, that was kind of, I don't know if that describes it well. I think yeah. it, it goes back to your mission statement, right? Like you're repeating that to yourself yeah. so often and in the, in the order it comes in, right? Mm-hmm. It's what are you, you're a Christian and then husband, father, son, brother, friend. Yeah. Right. So yeah because you repeat that it makes your decisions very easy to make yeah because you know your priorities it's like okay if i have the choice between going and hanging out with my friends or being able to support myself as a christian a father you know a son it's like those priorities come first and you're so clear on those now yeah that those decisions don't even really have to be made anymore it's just second nature like nope those are my priorities yeah i make that a priority before that and you know at the end of the day they're going to know like that's still on your priority list. Like you're, mm. you are still a friend, but the other things come first. Dude, that's awesome that you pointed that out. I almost forget like why that was in that order. And it's true. That's like exactly why I set it up that way. And going back to that point, um, you know, obviously being similar, married sons, right about like the same age, yeah. also being business owners, that, that whole point about being a workaholic or mm. not necessarily workaholic, but being so involved in your business and like, passionate about it and want it to grow and like being great um i've battled with this a lot but it's like when you go home it's like not necessarily trying to separate the two but when you're in the sit in the situation like being present and being 100 percent intentional so it's like you know for me it's like all right now is the time to shut my phone off or like put yeah. away instagram and like fully focus <clears throat> on my son or my wife or whatever situation I'm in because it's so easy to get wrapped up in the oh, two or so like hard. you know be distracted when you're in whatever you know present situation that you're in so that's that's been a huge learning experience mm. for me this year oh yeah when you're you're just trying to return a dm and your son's been sleeping for 20 minutes and you're halfway through and he wakes up and is just screaming his face yeah. off or something and it's just like this crazy this feeling of having your hands tied and you're like, I just want to work more. Like it used to take so much more motivation for me to just work without these external things preventing me from it. And now I just want to do the work, but I can't because like my son needs me mm-hmm. and it's a twisted way to think, but that goes through my head a ton. And it's just like the, you want to just like scream cause you're, you're like trying so hard and you have the right intentions, but you do realize you're like, dude, okay, now I just have to be fully present with my son. Mm-hmm. I still struggle with that. Uh, but I have gotten a lot better because you realize you're like, dude, 
like he ain't gonna stop crying. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> well, and in biz, it makes you be way more productive with your time when you do have time to work on your business. Yes. So that's you know, I mean, it's a lot less farting around for sure. Dinking. Yeah, that's what my grandma calls it. Dinking. Yeah. I'm a dinker. <laughs> so that's I mean, true. it's definitely you know, a, obviously a blessing in the sense that you know it's family and yeah. you have a son, but it's also a blessing that. Um, you know, it puts things into perspective and when you are in the business, like if you use your time wisely and you do it right, it can actually like move your business forward because you realize how precious time is. Yeah. You know, dude, that's a really good point. I'm struggling with sleep right now. Uh, it's the most unhealthy thing about me is just the lack of sleep. And it's not like I'm, it's funny because even though it's built this toughness and like resilience that I'm, I'm proud of it's, it's not like a healthy way to live. And I am what motivates me now, just the same way you're talking about spend the time with your family. Don't even like look at your phone or whatever. It's like, well, if I force myself to get a full night's sleep, those hours I have, I need to like double down and be even more, uh, productive with, you know? So, uh, that's like a motivation for me on that front too. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. So to kind of like shift and, you know, we've kind of reflected on the past a little bit, but I want, because I know that you're probably going to have a really clear answer for this. Where do you see yourself and dialed health in like five to 10 years? Mm. And you even kind of talked about, you know, like 20 years down the road, oh, yeah. how you might be in a, maybe in a different um, avenue, but yeah. like, where do you see it going? Okay. So I'm just going to tell you guys big dreams and I'm, I'm not ashamed of them. It's kind of scary to put it out there. But I, I see Dialed Health as it's going to be an app. Uh, we kind of already discussed this. Uh, basically, all the strength training programs. I want it to be the number one community in the world for cyclists and strength training. I want it to cover everything that you would need as a bike rider. I, I would want someone to sign up as a member and not only feel like they're a part of a community, but feel like they don't need to turn anywhere else for anything health and fitness related. Um, outside of just some writing stuff that they do. And so what it's going to require is an app and it's going to require a team. And I think when the app gets big enough with the, the members that there's going to have to be like actually full-time people helping me. Cause I, I, you know, I have a website guy that helps me. I have video people that help me. Um, but I'm going to need like a full-time customer service person. You know, I'm going to need someone that is full-time marketing for me. And so the goal really is, but by the way, right now, like I'm transitioning online, but most of my business is still in person. So I train like a normal trainer, like throughout Monday through Friday. And then any chance I get in between all weekend, I'm like working on the website and uh, again, this is not like a flex or something I'm proud of. Like I literally did not take a day off in January and it's just to try and like move the needle forward on the online, you know, amongst a full-time business, the family being intentional with time and also making sure that I'm riding at a professional level that I'm fit and leading from the front, you know? So it's like, I, I think as it shifts and the online grows, I'll be able to scale back on what I'm doing in person. Uh, I really love training in person. I think it keeps me sharp for my programming online and uh, just really how to interact with people. Uh, you know, the experience you get from working with people in person is un unlike anything you can get from the online, uh, or if you're just in here filming videos half naked all day, you know? So 
basically, as the online thing grows, I'd love to get a bigger facility. Um, I'd love to have a full-time team. And I want on a dialed health to turn into something that's like, you know, I'm, I'm planning my first retreat right now. So it's like we have the online community and then we have retreats. We have group rides. We have a lot of marketing involved in social media. And I want to build the community outside of the gym. And I want that to support the real vision of the app. And dude, it's just, it's so exciting to think of the possibilities like with the online world, because you could literally do everything. Um, but I think in the next five to 10 years, if I could get to a place where I have a few people full-time on team, just handling all the online work and I have the app built out, I have these retreats going on, hopefully around the world, uh, and regular group rides and that community built. Um, and, and just not having to rely on, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm hoping by the end of the year to not have to rely on any in-person income. I'll still continue to train in person, but I don't want to have to. So that's the first goal. Um, also doing a lecture this year, which you guys have totally inspired me to do. Cause uh, I know you did your, uh, lecture last year, Joe, yeah. did you guys all speak? Just Joe? No, I, no I, we did a little bit of, oh, cool. um, practical, practical. Pra okay, cool. Um, yeah, so basically, I think in, in, a, in a blurb, five to 10 years, it's going to be all online, big team, headquarters, a lot of community outreach. Mm -hmm. uh, and then really, I think beyond, I, I, I honestly am surrounded by a bunch of commercial real estate investors right now. Mm -hmm. Like the guy who owns my building that I train out of is super rad. I train him. Shout out to Dave. And that's like the cool thing about training clients. You get these like people who are just so successful and crushing it. And, um, anyways, he is kind of like trying to get me to start buying like commercial real estate and figure all this out. So I'm really hoping that with dialed health, I can use, uh, the money I make to start investing, um, probably in commercial real estate. I don't really know yet. Um, I have the most guidance there right now, so I'll probably rely on that. Mm -hmm. And dude, I, I don't know. I, I just deep down, I'll be honest, you guys, I feel like I want to do like, like speaking, like, yeah. uh, in some form. And I want to start that this year. It's hard to say because I haven't really done it. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds kind of naive and funny, but if I could have, you know, a, a real estate portfolio, have dialed health running, uh, and be successful and still somewhat involved in the business and then do an actual like real speaking thing, like the whole books thing, all of that, like that to me is just, it's a bigger way to get the message out. And, um, I feel like it's something that I could do. So yeah. I think that's like the long, long term. I want to talk a little bit about fear, right? Cause you've yeah. said a lot of things today that like downhill mountain biking, mm. you know, you talked about, um, we talked about sales, We've talked about just picking up and completely moving your life somewhere. Yeah. And then now, like, public speaking. Yeah. Those are, like, th those are some of the top things. Like, extreme yeah, sports people are super, yeah. you know, afraid of. So have you always been somebody that has, you know, has kind of lacked fear? Like, you just dive in and, like, we're just going to send it and it's, like, cool. Or, like, do you intentionally push fear out of the way? Like, how do you deal with fear? I... I definitely don't lack fear. Like I've gotten the writing to address that is definitely been, um, it's, it's me slowly getting better and having my, uh, ability and comfort zone. Like to, I could casually go hit a 30 foot double that people would be like terrified to do, but I've done it like hundreds and thousands of times. So it doesn't feel scary in the same way, you know? 
Uh, but then also you get really stoked on adrenaline and then you want to go skydive and then you go skydive and you want to like keep doing those types of things. Like later this summer, I'm getting a heli drop on top of a mountain in Canada and I'm going to ride down. It's going to be so sick. Wait, so those people that don't know what a 30 foot double is. Oh, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a bike jump, but there's nothing in between the takeoff and the landing. Sweet. That's it. You got to make it. So you're going to die if you don't. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> you're going to get hurt. I've, yeah. I've not made it a lot of times and I've gotten hurt. Okay. But um, yeah, as far as fear goes, I think I do love adrenaline. Um, I, I think that really the fear is more of frustration out of discomfort. Like I said, I grew up in a very comfortable like uh, reality. And when I realized that if I want to create the life for myself that I do, it's just going to if there's going to be a lot of pain and I, I've experienced a lot of that already. So it's not as much as fear as it's like, I believe in myself and I know I can accomplish it, but I know it's going to hurt so bad. Like, mm-hmm. and that's where that it's like, it's not, I don't know if fear is the right word. It's just like pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, you know, you're going to have to go through it and you're just moving forward anyways. Mm-hmm. Well, and in your mission statement, you talk about the journey. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, I, I botched that part. I'm in love with the journey and focus on the destination. That's all it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a hard one because I even hear these successful entrepreneurs who have, you know, built and sold a company and they have $50 million and they're like, man, I miss when I was in that grind in the beginning. It's not exciting like it used to be. And I'm like, that's where I'm at. Like, mm. Yeah. Like let's trade, you know what yeah. I mean? But but not really. I got you gotta remember that the journey that you're on is like so um it, it's freaking cool, man. Like I have to stop and remind myself how cool my life is right mm-hmm. now. Um but yeah, so the fear, I think it's I do feel like I get nervous. Like I used to have a lot of nerves racing and I used to have a lot of I, I used to have a lot of fear of definitely what um outcomes would be. Um, it's gotten better starting this, uh, this business. There was a lot of fear, but it was more focused on pain. I think thinking about like public speaking, it's like, I, I do feel fear, but I feel a little bit more excitement Mm -hmm. and I don't know. That's something that, uh, yeah, just thinking about it. Like I get a little nervous. I like that. Um, But I know, you know, it's like all, all the risk taking, I guess it's like, what else are you going to do? Am I going to just not do it? And just like be lame well it's like, like i don't what yeah. are you gonna do yeah well like yeah. what you said it's not necessarily fear it's pain yeah and pain is uncomfortable right right and come un or comfort is like equal to um complacency right mm. like if you're not uncomfortable you're not gonna like yeah, move grow. forward mm-hmm. and like succeed in what you're doing yeah so i like what you said like it's not necessarily Fear. It's more of like your excitement of being uncomfortable to then yeah. move to where Dude, you want to be. And that's as far as like enjoying the journey. I, I have noticed recently, even just setting up like the initial parts of like a retreat and this, uh, like the first speaking thing and all this, you start doing it and then you feel the resistance and it does get uncomfortable. But then all of a sudden, like now it's almost like implanted in me to get a little excited and like stirred up from it because I'm like, oh, this means I'm doing something. You know what I mean? Like I'm not just uh, going along for the ride. I'm not cruising. Like I'm pushing for something, and that's why I feel this way. Mm-hmm. It's like that association becomes pretty, um, yeah, like apparent for sure. The you kind of mentioned like reminding yourself how good your life is right now. Do you do any gratitude practices? Yes. Oh my gosh. 
I I do, and the craziest thing, <laughs> I'll I'll give you yesterday as an example. Um, I almost had a legit panic attack yesterday. Like I, I really did, man. I've had like a couple of them. I know people have different levels of what they consider a panic attack, uh, but it was really uh, like quickly after a great gratitude session. <laughs> <laughs> and so here's what I'll say: it, it, gratitude's mandatory uh, because we just have too many things going on that are good in our lives and it's all relative to us. You know, you can't just be thankful for this water be thankful for this car, be thankful for this food and these shoes and all this stuff every day, all day long. You can't, it's, you can't live like that, but to, to stop and to really just, um, to, to really like take a breath. And it's why I breathe tattooed on my neck and just look around and be like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm safe. I'm able to do anything I want to do literally, uh, for a career. Uh, and I have my family or I have writing and I have passion and I have my health or this, that that's super important. So I think literally just pausing, I usually do it on my drive into work. Mm -hmm. Uh, three things you're grateful for simple. It helps a ton. Uh, but also it's still, it can be kind of a surface level thing if you have a real deep rooted issue. So yesterday I did this gratitude and then I had this, I just had this, I've had this feeling this last week of basically, <laughs> we all know the thing. All my clients are in town this week. Everyone's training, right? Schedule is booked. Like it's double booked. And so I haven't been able to get done what I wanted to do for my online business. And in my head, I'm like, this is the most important for the future. Why am I not putting the time into it? Where I'm like, well, I'm, you know, training seven hours a day just in the gym and like, you know, the emails and the DMs and like the content and like the scheduling, all that. So the reason I haven't done these things that are like pushing forward is because of that. But I feel like I'm dropping the ball. Like, I feel like I'm missing opportunities because I'm overextending myself and it's not for a lack of trying, but it's like, I'm just, there's a point where you kind of are doing too much. And so I've started to feel that recently to where I don't feel stressed. Like I'm just doing too much. This is too hard. I'm done. It's more of like, I want to do more and I'm not. And I'm frustrated because yeah. now I feel like I'm missing opportunities that are really good. And that stress has been building this week. So it's yeah. crazy. Cause I started my morning with some gratitude. And then of course, as I'm like kind of getting my stuff ready for a, uh, a work shift, you know, my son would happen to be particularly fussy <laughs> And I'm packing his stuff up. I'm making my lunch and I'm thinking about the 20 things I couldn't get done today that I wanted to for my online and how, when I go to the gym, I'm booked for eight hours and I can't do anything. Uh, and then I'm off at 8 PM. I'm home at nine and I'm back in the gym at 5 AM. So like, I'm like, dude, the next 24 hours, I'm not making any progress on the online. And that frustration just, it just, it, turns into like a panic attack. Like I almost freak out, you know what I mean? Um, and, and the crying, the crying baby amplifies it to an, another level, but it's also the quickest perspective ever. Cause like, as soon as I start feeling that way, I pause and I'm like, I take a breath and then I'm like, dude, look at my like beautiful, healthy son right there. Like, and he needs me. He needs his dad right now. And that's it. That's all I need to do. So it's a very, uh, I'm feeling a lot of that like push and pull right now. Um, but that's just the truth of it. So I do reality or I do gratitude I'm definitely not perfect. Um, most of the time though, dude, it really, 
yeah. it really helps. But again, I had like a real deeper rooted kind of issue that I was struggling with. So, um, and I, I guess the only reason I point that out is because there's so, especially in our industry, dude, I mean, we were just talking about how people are doing ayahuasca trips and yeah. all, eating all these mushrooms, getting so spiritual. All I'll say is that, you know, there's so many, especially in the self-help industry, it's like, there's so many of these surface level things that I do believe like, you know, speaking to yourself in a way that's healthy is important. And you build these subconscious affirmations. Like it is all important, but you got to really go to the root of problems. And like, you're never going to solve something with a bandaid. You know, you're never going to, uh, you know, I was trying to think of a cool bandaid health Analogy. reference, but you know what I mean? You just, there's a point where you can't put lipstick on a pig yeah. anymore or something. There you go. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> I, like I, I completely agree. Cause last year was a time in my life where I was like, adding habits, healthy habits, mm. adding, adding, adding. And I thought the more I just add, the better I'd be. And I didn't look behind me and see that there were things that were just dragging me down that I had to subtract, mm -hmm. right? It was like I was adding all these habits without looking back at me like, what was the issue in the first place? Like, maybe if I just cut some of those, like the issues, I won't have to add so many habits to make mm. myself feel positive or make. So it's, I think it is important to add those daily habits, like absolutely. But like you said, like you have to get to the deeper rooted issues that mm. maybe are causing the problems yeah. instead of just trying to throw, like slap band-aids on everything. Totally. But so this That's is, good. this kind of rolls into like habits talking about, um, talking Wait, about habits before you answer that question, mm -hmm. I'm feeling, um, I feel like a uh, hypocrite because my wife just tried to call me twice. So let me just text her <laughs> and I'm going to be the good husband I'm talking about right now. Hold there on. There we go. Yeah. Priorities. Um, podcasts me, are at the end of the mission statement. Let me just say here <laughs> now here. Yeah. Podcast comes after wife. You guys are in with this in with me on this one. You know, I'm going to voice message it so you can see here. Why are you bothering me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, let me delete that. All right. I'll just say almost done. All good. Question mark. Whoop. And now you get to hear you again. Almost done. All good. Question mark. Sorry, you guys had to experience that with me. That was my text <laughs> to my wife. Okay. So this is, this is our last question. This is our, our finisher. No, I love it. I want to do Honestly, I'm fired up right now talking to you guys. Like, I wish we could do this for, like, so much longer. So I know. All of our Before we finish. Like yeah, like, just thanks for coming out to the studio to make this happen. Because yeah, yeah. shout out to these guys, too, because they're between their work shifts. Drove half an hour, built up the whole studio set up in my gym, and then they're heading back. So props, guys. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, yeah. So uh, if you can prescribe any one habit to the world, what would it be? Like everyday habit for a month, what would the world get? This is such a good question. Um, I've had a lot of, okay, so I've thought about this because I've, I've heard this before. Um, and I've thought about what I really think would be the best thing. I think there's, again, there's so many surface level things. Um, Dude, there's a lot of there's a lot of weird stuff I think about. Obviously, it's easy to say exercise. I'm just like thinking out loud here. It's easy to say exercise. It's easy to say don't eat processed food or track your macros or all these things that are really helpful. Um, it's easy to say I don't look at porn, like something random that is super positive on your life, like all this stuff. Uh, but I, I really think just because of like who I am. Um, again, number one, uh, I'm a Christian. I think taking every day, taking, you know, 30 minutes a day to really ask yourself, like, how the heck this planet got here, who you are as a person, 
um, and look for those answers is probably the biggest thing you could ever do for your life. Um, like I just, I can't think of anything that's like more impactful. And I think that I'm not saying that exploration would like make the world, it would probably make the world a better place, but we're still humans and we're never going to be perfect. So I don't, I don't think that'll ever happen. I just think that like you really trying to get to the root of, you know, like just what we're, what we're really, really here to do, um, which is just to have a relationship with God and to glorify his name. That's it. Done deal. And then we die. And hopefully, uh, hopefully there's, you know, a lot more after that. But, um, I, I think take 30 minutes a day, ask yourself some deep questions. And, uh, you know, I, I think the biggest thing for me is like, I'll just think about how insane it is. Like the human body itself, I think is something that brings up a lot of questions, you know, like how, do, how does my, you know, how does my shoulder move this way and not have 30 things preventing it and clicking and popping constantly? Sometimes it does. But like the fact that just a shoulder joint can work the way it does. Mm-hmm. And then you think about your brain and how your eyes work together and your dexterity and your finger. And like you think about this stuff and you're like, how the heck did that just happen? No freaking way, in my opinion. So that's that's I would start asking those big questions um, and spend 30 minutes a day for a month doing that. And I think you would find out a lot more about yourself. And, uh, you know, hopefully the biggest question of all is like your real purpose for sure. Sorry. Sorry. To, I'm, I'll be honest. I know there's people right now listening to this that uh, don't agree with that. Totally, totally OK. Um, I, I really respect everyone's right to believe whatever they want. And uh, I just think that even if you are convinced of the opposite to dive dive into it and reaffirm whatever not reaffirm your belief but like dive into whatever you think and just keep going keep going man that's it yeah that's awesome yeah great answer um so where can people find more of you more content everything yeah so uh my so you can go to dialhealth.com. That's where I actually have my uh, membership website. You can sign up. You can do all the strength programs that are geared towards cycling. And it's sick, man. It's you know less than 20 bucks a month, and you get uh, really clear programs that have videos of me explaining everything and uh, you know a lot of shirtless stuff. You're going to have to prepare yourself for that. Um, not in every video, but yeah. So all my programming is there. Uh, my, I'm really active on my Instagram, which is just at dialedhealth, D-I-A-L-E-D, health. And that's pretty much it. Uh, you can also email me, uh, dialedhealth at gmail.com. But I think between the Instagram and the website, oh, and the podcast, search Dialed Health on any listening platform that you have. I post once a week. And they're all topics around strength training uh, and health, all geared around cycling. Some are a little more cycling heavy than others. Uh, some are about some self-development, personal mission statement. Some are about me doing dry January uh, and how much I actually love alcohol. So yeah, you know, a little bit of everything on there. (laughs) Yeah. All right, man. Well, that was perfect. Thank you again. Um, I know people are going to get so much out of this. So thanks Thanks. for taking the time. Dude, appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of strength roots podcast. If you guys have any questions, follow us on Instagram at hyperthrive athletics. Be sure to subscribe, drop us a comment and a review, and we'll see you next time. Stay up to date on everything HTA. Follow us now on Instagram at HyperThriveAthletics.